You're listening to the Fertility Docs Uncensored Podcast, featuring insight on all things fertility from some of the top-rated doctors around America. Whether you're struggling to conceive or just planning for your future family, we're here to guide you every step of the way. Welcome to Fertility Docs Uncensored. This is Dr. Carrie Bedian from the Fertility Center of Las Vegas. I am uh, here with Dr. Susan Hudson of Texas Fertility Center and Dr. Abby Eblen of the Nashville Fertility Center. And we are joined today by our guest, Dr. Leah Kay, who is one of my partners at Las Vegas. Um, and we are very happy to have her today. Thanks for having me. Yay. So before before we hit the record button, we were talking about, oh, just where each of us did school, came from, and uh, it sounds like, Leah, you went to college in a zoo. <laughs> well, beside a zoo, technically speaking, um, but it was, it had a, it had its own wildlife, I guess. It was its own little bubble. <laughs> I went to Rhodes College. The in zoo Memphis. or the college had its own wildlife. Oh, well, they kind of spilled into each other, I would say, at least <laughs> on, on more crazy weekends, for sure. <laughs> but I went to school in Memphis at a little liberal arts school named uh, Rhodes College. And so we were just talking about it because we have mutual friends with similar experiences. And the college happens to be located directly across the street from the Memphis Zoo. Um, and so I was, I was talking to some of the legends of, of people late night, early morning, sneaking across the road and um, not paying their zoo admission fees to see some of the wildlife up close. <laughs> Never me, though. Never me. <laughs> A likely story. <laughs> so would they uh, just, uh, you said that the walls were pretty tall and trying to get in. Were you part of the, the wall scaling crew and no. the, the roof jumpers? or Never that either, though I had plenty of friends who were more physically active and inclined than me. But the the walls of this campus, like it's a beautiful campus. It looks very Ivy League, even though it's a, a liberal arts school. And, and we kind of, as a result, we have a beef against sort of the, the true Ivy League schools, but it's a beautiful campus. And all of the walls are like the sandstone that are perfect for climbing, again, in the middle of the night when, when nobody else is paying attention. <laughs> so if you didn't want to scale the brick wall across the street to get into the zoo, you could at least scale like the bell tower um, and get pretty far up before security uh, was notified and, and <laughs> got you back down. Well, in um, a, so, I, we, we were talking a minute ago, Leah, about one of my anatomy lab partners who went to Rhodes College also. And he, when he moved into the college, he heard all these wild animal sounds and he found out about two weeks later that he was actually really close to the monkey cages. And that's what he was hearing. <laughs> and rumor has it, it may be urban legend, but rumor had it that actually some of the monkeys got out one time and got onto Rhodes campus. Is that right? Or I've heard that as well. <laughs> Who knows if it's an urban legend or not? It never happened in my time, luckily. Um, but I, we've we've all heard those those stories. <laughs> the question is: Were the monkeys helped out, or did they just kind of quote unquote get out on their own because they were so clever, or did some you know brilliant junior and senior class liberate them to take a field trip? <laughs> 
I truly think some of these monkeys might have been a little bit smarter than some of the junior and senior classmates of mine. <laughs> it was a really great school, a really, really like the smartest people that I've ever met, smartest people that I will ever work with. But we had a lot of fun in addition to doing a lot of hard work. <laughs> work hard and play hard. Mm-hmm. And I'll say one more animal story. The only thing is we were talking about this that's funnier than the monkey story, I think, is when I got to residency at the University of Florida, they were talking about this lake called Lake Alice and it was right on fraternity and sorority row and it was full of alligators. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Really? And that, I mean, that is the honest truth. I've seen the alligators. You just don't walk small dogs around Lake Alice in the middle of fraternity and sorority row. So I think I'd rather have monkeys and alligators. <laughs> that makes me very nervous for rush week. <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely. People who don't make it in get fed to the alligators. I mean, that that's an extra penalty just for sorority and fraternity rushing. So talking about students, um, Leah is very active in, in all the educational programs that we have at the Fertility Center of Las Vegas, because there are multiple residency programs throughout town here, as well as uh, medical schools. And so we, we hold appointments at University of Nevada, Las Vegas, as well as with um, the Mountain View Residency Program. And I think between the three docs here, all of us have either lectured, taught, had students rotate, residents rotate with us, fellows from the minimally invasive program. So we've got a fair number of learners coming here. And, and the patient response to that is always, is always kind of interesting and, and a little bit unique when they're like, who is this other person? Like, I understand I came here to see you, Dr. K, and who is this other person who's sitting in the corner of the room? So today we thought we'd talk a little bit about what what learners are in this environment and and really what that means for our patients. Sure. So I think it's it makes sense, first of all, to kind of define what different types of learners there are in a given medical practice, especially like ours. And it, it, it's tricky because we use this term learners, but I know if you, if you Google a picture of me, I don't look like I've been in school for the last 25 years, but I truly have. Like there's so many steps to get to being an attending in medicine. And so when you think of a learner, they're not all at the same stage of their learning. Um, so there are medical students. All of us went to medical school. And it's important to know that that's at four years after your bachelor's degree. Um, and so medical students are not yet doctors, but that's your first kind of exposure to being in a clinical setting every day, all day. So you're not getting paid yet at that point. And in fact, you're still paying hundreds of thousand dollars to be in that setting. But that's your kind of first exposure to patients on an everyday, all day basis. You show up like it's your job. You're there at 4.30 in the morning. You're there until 7 p.m. at night many times. And so that's kind of the very the, the earliest step that patients might run into learners. After we graduate from medical school, we enter residency. And so that's where we've chosen a certain specialty track. And for each of us, we've gone through an OBGYN residency, which means that we spent our first four years learning how to deliver babies, do gynecologic surgery, run clinics where many women are seeing us for their annual exams. Um, and in residency, then it truly is a job. We are all doctors. When you, when somebody introduces themselves as a resident, they are doctor so-and-so. They're getting paid to be there, not nearly as much as we would need to survive comfortably, but we are getting paid to be there. And so that's residency. And for us, that was a four-year period of time. 
After that, there are a number of residents who will go into fellowship. So that's yet another level of learning where you're not yet an attending doctor, um, but it's still a paid job that you're learning on the job and you're doing your training on the job. And so we all go through a fellowship specifically for fertility and reproductive endocrinology. And that for, for us is another three years after residency before we finally become attendings. And so in an office where you're seeing a, a doctor for fertility, you could be seeing a learner at any of those stages. Um, and they have all come with, with various perspectives and various interests. A lot of the time at, at, at FCLV, the learners you're gonna see are primarily residents. So they are younger than me, men and women who are interested in OBGYN at the very least because that's what they're specializing in. Some of them are interested in subspecializing in infertility. Others might be interested in subspecializing in other parts of gynecology um, or high risk OB. And so they are practitioners and, and physicians who are training to help you out at some point, whether it's at this beginning stage where you're trying to get pregnant or at a later stage when you're in your pregnancy or as, as a generalist seeing you throughout your reproductive years and through menopause. So you'll see a whole bunch of learners from all different places with all different kinds of interests. And I think it's important, first of all, to just clarify kind of what, what those possibilities are. When asked kind of the general question, like, is it a good thing to have learners in your office? Hands down, the answer is yes. And I'll tell you why I think that's the case for a number of reasons. Um, the first reason I think, and the, it's the reason I think is most important and closest to my heart as well, is that you could kind of teach anybody to read textbooks and to take tests and to pass tests. You could teach anybody the, the testing, the diagnosis, like how do you recognize this? How do you treat that? We can all go to up-to-date online and read like the content of what we're supposed to learn in medical school and in residency. But the part that you can't, get from textbooks is watching your colleagues do what they do best, which is to work with people. That's that's the, the job that we went into. That's the business we're in is not how do I read this textbook chapter to my patients, but how do I teach you? How do I explain this treatment to you? How do I provide a shoulder for you to cry on when I have to give you bad news? Um, and those are the things that we as learners, all of us, learn from our models, from the other people that we're around. And so for me, I think it's really important that the people in Las Vegas are getting to learn from some of the best teachers that are available, not the people who can give them the most reliable textbook, but rather the people that are gonna show them, this is what it looks like to have good bedside manner. This is what it looks like to, to work with a woman who is at the lowest point in her life and who is for the first time failing at something that she felt like she should have been able to do easily. Um, and so for me, that's the most important reason to have learners in the office because they need to be able to see and practice um, that humanistic part of medicine that they can't get in the classroom. So Leah, I have a question for you. What would you say to patients who are on the other side of the bed rail? Um, because we have learners in our office as well. And you know, we always want to make sure our patients are comfortable when learners are present. And so we always ask them ahead of time, is it okay if this person comes in? And I think some patients are hesitant to say no. They don't want to hurt our feelings or hurt the, the person, the learner's feelings. Um, what would you just say to the patients that are on the other side in terms of, you know, why it's good for them to have that person there and, and 
um, I guess, to kind of assure them that we're not there to kind of treat them as a laboratory specimen. What's the what's the benefit to the patient, not just the learner? Absolutely. Well, I think one of the the most important things, and the 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 thing that I also tell my residents and my learners when they're when they're first on our rotations or when they're doing any kind of rotation that's a little bit more intimate like this. Um, the benefit to the patient, I think, is you've got a very active listener who is probably infinitely more available than I am to them to do those other things that I can't necessarily do. So Dr. Bedian and I have full schedules in the office all the time, and, and it's very easy in fertility for offices to to start to feel like they're churning out patients like numbers. And it's very common for patients to feel like a number when they come into our office and the visits are quick and they go fast and you just uh, get to the front of the line, get in, get out. One of the things that I think is great about having residents in our office is that they have nowhere else to be. They have nothing else they're supposed to be doing except to be there with you. And they're getting something from it. They're learning from that interaction. But at the same time, this is a chance for them to to work on their bedside manner. And what I experienced when I was in training was that I was so much more available than my attendings that I started to develop really close bonds and relationships with some of those patients who needed a little bit more. Um, They didn't want to just come in, you take your pants off, we probe you, you put your pants back on, you run. Like they they have questions, they have concerns, they want to talk, they they want to be able to spend a little bit more time with us. And, And we all wish that we could be that for everybody, but the reality in healthcare is that we just can't. The, the best thing I think about the learners as a resource to us is that they are there when we can't be, and they can be your first line of contact when you just need somebody to vent to, when you have a question that you feel like it might be too silly to ask your doctor. Um, there's no question that's too silly. That's the, the honest truth. But sometimes having that that learner in the room with you can kind of be like, somebody else who can stay back a second or who can read your read your expressions and say, I don't know if that exam went as well as, as the doctor might have thought it did. Let me just hang back and make sure she's okay. Um, I felt like that was one of the best ways I could be useful when I was a learner. And so I try to tell my learners that that's one of the most important roles they can play as well. Yeah. And sometimes what I've noticed too is because the learners spend more time with the patients and they take a history. Um, you know, I feel like I've done this for a while and I know how to take a, a fairly good fertility history, but it's really interesting how coming from a different perspective, sometimes they'll ask questions that I don't think to ask, or they'll ask really specific things that, um, that you know, I probably wouldn't have not thought to ask. So I think you, you get more information when you have somebody in the room that's that's doing an H&P that is physical that you wouldn't be doing, basically. What do you think, Susan? I, I think it's great to have that, that other perspective, the other set of eyes and ears. Um, you know, I, I think there's, there's things that people who are, you know, closer in their formative, you know, learning stages that... There, there are things that they may see that we may not see. And, and it's always great to have that additional perspective. One thing that I've found is that a lot of our, our residents ask really good questions. And sometimes it's stuff that I know and can answer and give, give the textbook answer because it's such a frequent thing that we deal with. But sometimes it's something where I have to go back and say, okay, let's look that up. And in the process of looking it up, whether it's me looking it up them or both of us, we pick up some random new tidbit because there's so much overlap. I mean, the human body is really elegant in how much overlap it has. 
so that six different cells that do six very different things all have the same structures. And, and you may realize, hey, that, that structure that we thought didn't have anything to do with what our favorite cells do, you know, that may be really useful. And, and so sometimes, even though the patients don't really see it, just the presence of the residents or the students around makes us think harder, look deeper, make connections that we otherwise wouldn't have a reason to make. I agree. They keep us on our toes and they hold us accountable to having them like most accurate and most recent and evidence-based medicine. It's really easy to kind of like get really settled into what you, what you learned. But even for me, what I learned was three, four, five, six, seven years ago. And fertility is such a rapidly changing technology. The treatments that we have changed just from when I first started. I'm not that far out. And so having learners around requires that we all stay on top of our game. Well, and I think also, too, the other perspective from the standpoint of learners is, you know, nobody wants to feel like that they're having something done to them or somebody's talking to them that's new. But, you know, we all in medicine, like you said, have had many, many years of training and we couldn't be in the position that we're in right now if the same thing hadn't happened for us many years ago as well. And I think that also is in the nursing profession, too. Um, Sometimes, you know, we have patients that get a little bit of pushback or give us a little bit of pushback if we have a new nurse that they're not familiar with. And, you know, the reality of it is we like to keep our employees for a really long time and we have a really good history of that. But there's always some turnover and, you know, everybody, whether it's a nurse or a a new doctor, I mean, they have to sort of learn our system and learn how we do things. So it's really helpful when patients are willing to let them come in and and be a part of our, you know, our our visit. Mm -hmm. Leah, have you ever tallied the number of tests that we've gone through by the time we get out at the end of all this? If I did, I'd, I would have, I'd vomit in my mouth. No, you can't think about it that way or you'll never start. That answer. <laughs> I don't want to discourage anybody from doing this. This is the best job in the world. But if they knew how many tests we had to take, nobody would ever get started. And, and I will say it never ends. We continue to take tests. I even took one, I guess about six years ago, but I had to retake because of my medical, you know, medical credits that I had to get. So it never ends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a hot item everywhere is, you know, the value of standardized testing in schools and whether, you know, you believe it's valuable or not for your child. You know, one of my, one perspective that I come from is that I feel that every major milestone I've had in my professional life, educational and professional life has, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, there's been a standardized test of some sort that has that that has been a gate that I've had to open up. And, you know, um, like there there is a value in learning how to take these types of tests when you're younger, because I, I think if you didn't have that experience as a child, that once you got into college or medical school or further along in your training, um, you know, we have some unbelievably complex tests that we have to take. And, you know, it's, it's harder as you get older to like make all those like neural connections. 
<laughs> and so I definitely think there is some value in that. Well, I'm hoping that the whole paradigm will shift in that I I was signed up to take our, our subspecialty oral examinations at the end of April. Um, and, and so what that is, is to become board certified in this subspecialty, you have to sit before a panel for three hours and kind of answer rapid fire questions about what do we do every day about the research that we've completed in the past. Um, it's a really big, really nerve wracking, really expensive test. And the, <laughs> it's a really my, beautiful center where you take the test. You can, you see where your money goes when you walk in the door. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't make me feel good about it at all, but um, I have a little PTSD from the last time that I was there. Um, and it's a test that we prepare for, for many, 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 many months in advance. And with COVID-19, my test has been postponed until who knows when. So I'm a little bit of limbo and I'm hoping that maybe this COVID-19 is going to be the paradigm shift that changes us from those oral exams to, to something a little bit more reasonable and less nerve wracking, but it's probably just be not. medicine oral exams now. <laughs> I, I would, I would just be happy to get rid of the MOC. <laughs> 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 yeah, by the time you rack up your your ACTs or SATs, then the MCATs, and then step one, step two, step two CS, step three board exams that everybody takes, and then your individual board exams for OBs with both the written and the oral, and then for REI specialty exams, the written and oral, and then the maintenance of certification tests that we do every year, you just kind of get immune to it. I'm like, all right. I'm, well, I'm okay. one thing to keep in mind is we are all obviously lifetime learners. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Right. Yes. yes. So yes, wonderful. I wanted to ask you guys a question that's totally off of the topic of what we talked about before. Um, but I had a question for you guys about, it's a common question that I get and I want to know what your responses are. You know, I think our patients like to feel connected with us as doctors. They look at us and we look a lot like them. And so it's an easy thing to do. And I all have a lot of patients at the end of the visit that'll say, oh, Dr. K, do you have kids? And I'm always wondering, if is anyone else having to answer this question? And if so, how are they answering it? Um, and my answer might be different. I'll kind of save it for after I hear what you guys say. Just the, the straight up question, do you have kids? Yeah, like they, they want to know, they, they want a, a piece of your life to take home with them. You know, how do you, how do you answer that question? I, I actually have two children, but I also have them from IVF. So I kind of welcome that question because I can kind of tell them a little bit of my experience. Yeah. I, I tell my, I have three children and my last child, I did IVF. I include that, you know, and, and people want to know, they, they, they do want to know part of your life. I mean, they have, these people have just shared some of their most personal, intimate details that, you know, that little bit of, you know, delving into my life, I'm, I'm all for it. You know, we've, we've talked about, um, you know, I practice in a relatively small city and, and I run into my patients and I see them and I see some of them at my kids events, <laughs> you know? And so, you know, it's, it's just, we, we all want to form connections and, um, it's one of those things that I don't have tons of pictures of my family in my office. I have a couple of things kind of to the side and that type of thing. And so if, if people are interested in asking, I, I'm more than happy to share it, but it's, it's not something that I'm, 
kind of throwing out there per se. And I, when people ask that, I, you know, I tell people, yep, I've got two small little human beings at home that, uh, and one fur baby. Um, and I, I have a handful of pictures throughout my office and, and a lot of people I find don't actually notice them because in part they're tucked, tucked away so that I can see them very clearly. But unless you're looking for them, you don't necessarily take them into the full view, but um, but they're very much the foundation for why I do what I do. And so there's a part of me that's like, oh, I don't really want to rub into the fact that, you know, you're, you're here trying to have a family and, and I have these two little people that I adore who I think are just cute as buttons, um, most days, but <laughs> and they are. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's that's very much the reason why I do what I do. Like, I get a lot of joy from my children, and want want my patients to have that too. So it's that's part of how it's personal for me to help them get pregnant because I want them to be up in the middle of the night as well, and I want to not be the only one suffering getting kicked <laughs> in the head every single night by my son, daughter, dog, or all three. <laughs> Well, and I'll have to admit, I probably overshare more than the average person. And I just, that's just kind of my personality. I enjoy hearing about them and their lives. And I usually, I mean, it's just amazing. Our patients are so interesting. Um, I've had, I've had patients who are helicopter pilots and patients who work for the CIA and somebody that's a specialist in explosives for the army. And it's just, I think our patients are just so interesting. I, I like to hear about their lives too. I agree. I just got an email from a patient today who's, who told me that they're opening up an, a new brewery, a microbrew in town. And I was like, that's exactly the kind of patient that I need to keep in close touch with. <laughs> Well, I once had a chocolatier, so I'd have to top that with the chocolatier. Oh, <laughs> yes. So, so what's that's a good question. <laughs> well, I, you know, I tell them the truth, and the and the truth is that I'm allergic. Allergic to children? <laughs> not really. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm not actually, but I have. I, I tell them, you know, I don't yet. Um, but I have eggs that are frozen. Um, but I always, I always wonder, is that like telling them too much? It, you know, I always wonder, I start to wonder about myself, like, why are they asking? Do I have like a very clear void of a family in my office? Like, should I get pictures of someone else's kids and put them in here? <laughs> like, um, I think your, I think your answer is perfect. I think your answer is perfect. I was going to say, it does help them, like when we're talking about, especially when I'm explaining things like needles and giving yourself injections, it oh, helps yeah. them to know that we've had to do it. And Absolutely. so we've seen the other side. Absolutely. I think that's, I think that's great that you share that. I think that makes them feel so much better when you share something like that, mm -hmm. to shared experience. I tell a lot of my patients that pretty much every REI physician, female REI physician that I know, by the time she got out of fellowship, she either had babies or had eggs frozen somewhere, or embryos frozen somewhere, um, depending on where she was in her life. And and to the extent that I know those details about the members of my class, um, it's very much true. Like we all we all either went in knowing you definitely wanted kids, or you definitely didn't. And for everyone who did, they have figured out a way to try and secure that because so many of us have been on they have been on the other side of that needle or want to avoid being on the other side of the needle. Absolutely. So fingers crossed that those eggs will pan out for me one day, but I was just curious to know if other people get that question or if it's just me because they're trying to sniff out a psychopath. 
<laughs> no, I think it's a pretty common question. And I, it's one that I always welcome. That and you fit in with our group because you're the same kind of crazy we are. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with us, Leah. It is wonderful to see your shiny face on the Zoom and and hear your voice on the podcast. I kind of got to admit, I... I miss seeing you around the office all the time now that we're all in in quarantine and isolation and all of that. So everything's shut down. But um, this has been Fertility Docs Uncensored. And I'm joined here by Dr. Abby Eblen of the uh, Nashville Fertility Center, Dr. Susan Hudson of Texas Fertility Center, and of course, my partner, Dr. Leah Kay, and myself, Dr. Carrie Bedian of Fertility Center of Las Vegas. So have a wonderful day. Be safe, take care, and we'll be back soon. Bye, everybody. See ya. Bye-bye.